0: There should be a distinct difference between Christians and non-Christians. If you're acting just like you did before you were a Christian, I kind of wonder if Jesus really touched your life. Because you should be different. And the the area where you stand out the most different is when you have trouble in your life. Because Christians and non-Christians deal with trouble entirely differently. Because Christians have this this confidence, the spiritual confidence that God's got our back. And even if bad things are happening, people are doing bad things to us, God's working something good out of that. Christians just have that confidence, that, that peace. And if you're not sure you have that confidence I just want to encourage you to step a little deeper in your Christian walk. a little Press in a little bit more. We're, uh, we're in this series uh, we're, we're going to finish it on Easter next week. But uh, this is number six lessons learned from Jesus' words on the cross. He made seven distinct statements from the cross as He was dying, and we're looking at each of those and applying it to our own lives. What lessons can we learn? And uh, the, the theme verse for our series is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. This is from the Message Bible, which is a paraphrase. It says, Keep your eyes on Jesus. That's what you need to do, church. Quit looking at your problems. I mean problems follow us around all the time. We live on planet Earth. There's problems, problems, problems here on the planet. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the one who can help us through these things. Who both began and finished this race we are in. Study how He did it. If He was able to follow through all the way through then we want to be able to do the same thing so we need to study what He did. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, the cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. Is that your is that your destiny? Is that where you want to be? Right there in heaven, right beside God, that's where I want to be. So I have to do things different. So we're looking at the seven statements he made. We're at number six. Here's here's the sixth statement. This is from the Gospel of John chapter 19, verses 28 and 29. Later, knowing that all was now completed and so that the Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty real simple, I am thirsty. It's simple but it's hard. You see if Jesus built his life on self-righteousness he would not have said I'm thirsty. He would not have acknowledged he has a problem. Self-righteous people always want to be perfect because that's where they get their righteousness from. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we just need to tell the truth. Speak it like it is. Quit being afraid of telling people what's real. Because I have weaknesses. You have weaknesses. I can draw strength from my brothers and sisters as long as I'm not trying to hide my weakness and puff myself up and make everybody think how cool I am. We just need to be honest, real, transparent. So, we're going to talk today about being transparent. That's that's the sixth lesson we learn from His Words of the Cross. Be transparent, be real, quit being phony. I've been in the church world for many years, got saved in 1972, and I've watched the church world. And there's a bunch of phony baloney. People say they believe the promises, but they don't act like they believe the promises. I want you to act like you believe the promises of God. So we need to be transparent. So first I want to share, and this is kind of an introduction, I want to share three obstacles to being transparent. Number one, the fear of being rejected. Excuse me. That's number two. Number one, the fear of being hurt. We don't want to be hurt. We've been hurt before. We don't want to be hurt anymore. And we're afraid if we tell the truth, somebody's going to hurt us. So we don't tell the truth. We become phony baloney Christians, putting up a false front, wanting everybody to think how mature we are. Well, deep down on the inside, we all we know we're not. We're growing. We've got a long way to go. but We don't want anybody to know that. Psalm 32, verses 3 through 5, and from the message version again, I like the way it says it because we can grab a hold of the truth a lot easier. When I kept it all inside, my bones turned to powder. My words became day-long groans. The pressure never let up. All the juices of my life dried up. Then I let it all out. I said, I'll come clean about my failures to God. Suddenly, the pressure was gone. My guilt dissolved. My sin disappeared. You just need to get things right with God and quit being phony. Be honest. Be transparent. Transparent means you can see through something. A glass window is transparent. You can see right through But in our case, transparency is not just letting people see through you. It's you making yourself vulnerable, out in the open, telling the truth like it is. There are things about my past I don't want to talk about. I'm ashamed of those things. I don't want anybody to know those things. I'm a pastor. If people found out I was real, they wouldn't want to hear what I had to say, right? That's not right, but that's the way our minds work. Right, right. I've discovered that if I can be vulnerable and tell people what a mess my life has been in the past, but God's helped me put it together, that gives them hope. Yeah. Telling the truth, being transparent, gives hope to people. Good work. Good work. Good work. I heard about this Easterner from the East Coast who went on spring break out west, and visited a saloon. He wanted to see what the west was really like, so he went to a saloon, and when he stepped inside the door to see what it was like, he saw these tables, and there were these three men playing cards with the dog. And he went up to the bartender, and he says, Am I seeing what I'm really seeing? Can that dog really play cards? And the bartender said, Yeah. Yeah. But he's no good at it. Every time he gets a good hand he wags his tail. <laughs> being transparent. You can't fool people if you're transparent. But people don't want to be fooled. They want to hear what's real. They want to know the truth. So here's the, the third thing about being real, roadblock. It's the fear of being exposed. We like to hide things. We like to hide the things that other people wouldn't like to see. So we hide it. And if we tell the truth, I'm going to be exposed. I don't, I don't want that part of me out there. How many know what I'm talking about? There's certain parts of us, three people raised their hand. <laughs> Where am I at? Oh, yeah fear of being exposed. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 says, we don't do shameful things that must be kept secret and we don't try to fool anyone or twist God's message around. God is our witness that we speak only the truth so others will be sure we can be trusted. I wonder why in the world with With the power of the Holy Spirit that God gives Christians, why have we seen a mass exodus out of churches all over America? I don't know if you've seen the statistics, but it's scary. All these people who profess to be Christians just bail out of church. They don't go anyplace. They just stay home. Maybe they watch it on TV, but most probably they just sleep in. Why in the world is this happening? I think it's because people don't trust Christians. Because Christians are full of baloney. I don't want to be like that. You don't want to be like that. Well, What are we going to do to change that so that people out there in the darkness can trust us? We've got to make a change. The first name of the Holy Spirit is holy. Amen. And when his spirit comes into our life, he brings a holiness. And we have a problem. We want to hide our sinfulness so everybody thinks we're holy. I think God wants us to live holy. And we need to make some changes. Okay, so those are the roadblocks to being real. Now let me give you four steps to be transparent with your life. Here's number one. You need to establish a crew. A crew is a team of people working on a project together. You need to establish a crew. Be a part. Be a part. Get involved. Make a difference. Group of people working together. How do I do that? One idea is to get in a small group. A small group is people who are growing together. Be a part. Don't be a lone ranger. Get connected. Another way is to get involved in a ministry someplace where you're serving on a regular basis. You have a responsibility to be here on time and be faithful on time. That's something we have to do. People who are working on serving. And remember this, small fits or big doesn't. A lot of times we're all looking for the big tool But sometimes you need a small tool to do this small job. The big tool doesn't work. Same thing's true in the church of Jesus Christ. We don't just need big shot servants. Sometimes it's the little guy who can make the difference in serving God. Find your specialty. The Bible says very clearly that you are unique. There's not another person like you anywhere on the face of the earth. The series of things you have been through, the way you were raised, the way you were treated by the neighbor kids, uh, all of those things, the way you were treated in your family, all of those things make up who you are and we're all unique and there's not any two people like that. We need to find what our specialty gift is. God has prepared us already through the things we've been through, the good things and the bad things. He has prepared us to serve Him. We need to remember that. So we need to establish a crew because the church is like a building. Every building has to have a maintenance crew. Somebody who fixes the things that are broken. Every building also has to have a cleanup crew. People who clean up the messes. But if we are building the church of Jesus Christ, we need people who specialize in maintenance and helping people get their lives back together and not reject people because of the messes they've made. Yep. We also need cleanup crew. People who can step into people's lives and help them clean up the messes that they have there. So in a transparent church, we're not looking for people to judge because it makes us feel better about ourselves to do so. We look for people we can heal. We can help fix That's the maintenance crew. We can help clean up. That's the cleanup crew. Every building has to have people like that. Because new converts are messy. If we're praying for God to give us new souls into the kingdom, somebody's got to come alongside and help them clean up the mess. And not just judge them because they're in a mess. We need to embrace those kind of people. The church is like building. Building. And a church is a team, works together. It's a team, working toward a common cause. And if we're a part of a team, we ought to identify with the team. Right now we're trying to put together a church directory. Now when I say church directory, everybody thinks of this paper book with everybody's pictures in it. But every time we've done a church directory, it's really hard to get everybody's participation because people don't want to have to listen to a salesperson try to sell them expensive photographs. So we can't get, we never can get 100% participation. People just don't want to come to do that. So we're trying to do something different now that modern technology has tapped into our lives we don't like technology but you got to have it and that's where the future is so we're trying to put together an online church directory so we got we can put a face with a name and everybody has access to it so we're trying to do this and i'm i'm telling you right now we want you to be involved those of you that are at home watching online we also want you to be a participant so One of the ways you can do that, or the way to do that, is to go out to this information table right out there, and Bethany or somebody will be at that table right out there where it says info, and they can help you. They'll take a a photo of you. If you don't like the photo, submit your better photo. We don't care where the photo comes from. We just want to be able to put a name with a face. And so that takes place right out there. The best way to do that is to have an app on your smartphone that's called the Church Center app. And if you stop out there they'll show you how to get that on your phone. No charge. It's free. And then you've got access to all of this and you can be a part of the church directory which puts all the people in the family together. So we just want you to know about that. So that's, that's the first thing. Establish a crew because a church is like a building. Here's the second thing enact a growth plan. If you're going to take a vacation, chances are you put a vacation plan together. Where, What route we going to take? Before you ever head out you plan what you're going to do. You plan the route. You plan the stops. You plan the finances. You don't want to not have what you need, so you plan that out. Well if you're going to grow spiritually you need to put a plan together. Because no plan No growth. You stay right where you are. So a growth plan is how to get from here to there. I want to be more spiritually sensitive. I want to know the Bible more. I want to have God hear my prayers more. So you put a plan together. How do I get from here to there? If you don't have a plan, you're not going to get from here to there. You're going to stay right where you are. I've got a little chart I want to put up here. No favor. Over here to the right is God's favor. You want to have God's favor in your life? God point you in the right direction. He opens certain doors, closes the wrong doors. He just there. He gives you insight, information, helps you become wiser with guiding your life. No favor is where you were born with no favor. This is God's favor. The most successful Christian person you know is down here with God's favor. What you need to do on this line, this blue line, this continuum, what we need to do is make decisions and learn how to get God's favor. The only thing that automatically happens is aging. Everything else takes a strategy. Takes effort, takes work. You don't have to do anything and you get older. (laughs) Happens all by itself to good people and bad people. But maturity is something you have to do with. I know people who are in their seventies and eighties that are very immature. They can't deal with stress or with stress or pressure. They're just very immature. We have to grow in that. We have to take action steps in that. When I, was, when I was in elementary school, I understood very clearly that there were grades and I had to pass the first grade to get into the second grade. I had to pass second grade to get into third grade. You see, the school had a structure. They had a plan, and I had to start in kindergarten and work my way all through high uh, elementary, middle school, high school. We didn't have middle school back then. We had junior high. (laughs) But I had to go all the way through the senior year. Sometimes I messed up. A lot of you know my story. I flunked the seventh grade. They didn't pass me. I had to go back to 7th grade with a bunch of kids because I was at their maturity level. So they put me back there. Very humiliating. But it was a part of God's plan for me. Now I have no problem talking to losers because I am one. So we need to enact a growth plan, get, get in, put some kind of plan together. What's my next step if I want to grow spiritually? What's my next step? Because the church is like a body, and a body grows. It grows up, then it grows old. A body grows, and we're a part of the body of Christ. We need to grow Physically. You eat food, and you automatically grow physically. If you don't eat, what are you don't. If you eat the wrong stuff, it affects your growth. So we need to grow physically. We need to also grow psychologically, emotionally, mentally. Do this by reading, by disciplining ourselves to fill, in, fill, put information in my brain, and I grow but we also need to grow spiritually and that's where I come in that's where I want to help you that's what our church where our church wants to help you grow spiritually to be more like God to be able to understand how God wants us to live to know how to get his favor in our life right. grow spiritually did did you know that trees have growth spurts trees are always growing But there are times when they have growth spurts. We're just about to enter into one of those seasons where trees have growth spurts. They're going to grow so fast, so rapidly. But they're also growing in the wintertime. Did you know that? All the leaves fall off and everything looks dormant up top. But down in the ground, those roots are growing so that they can become strong for the growth spurt in the spring. Did you know that Christians also have growth spurts? The day that I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I had a growth spurt. The next day, everything was different. Then I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That was another growth spurt. My life dramatically changed. Some of the growth spurts were intentional, like when I signed up to go to Bible college (laughs) and I Forced myself to go through this course of training. Forced myself to read, do the homeworks, do the reports. I had to do that. And then there's other times when I'm not forcing myself at all. God forces himself upon me. He does that for all of us. So let's embrace the growth spurt. Here's the third thing we need to do to be transparent. Enlist an army. You know, there's two kinds of soldiers in the Army when I was in. Volunteers and draftees. They had a draft going on at that time. One of the main differences was the first two letters of the service number. Mine was R-A, means regular Army, means I enlisted. Someone drafted had the, had the, the letters U-S, United States. That meant they were Drafted. And our serial number is what we went by, not your name. So everybody knew looking at your serial number if you were there voluntarily or if you were there forcefully. And they treated you accordingly. I was a volunteer because I didn't want to be drafted and my number was up. So I volunteered so I'd have some say as to what I would be doing, what my occupational specialty would be in the service. I was a volunteer. You know the happiest people servant in the church are volunteers. Nothing's more miserable than you come to church and you sit down in your seat because you want to enjoy worship service and somebody comes and asks if you would come back and help in one of the, one of the kids' classes because they don't have somebody there that day. You just got drafted. Draftees don't want to serve. It's the volunteers that want to serve. But if you don't have volunteers, you have to draft. And that makes people unhappy. When I was, when I enlisted in the service, I became a GI. You know what GI means? Government issue. I was I I was just another number. I was just another person. I was was God's government's issue. As a Christian, when I become a volunteer, I want to serve God, I become a God's issue. A GI. I'm a GI. Did you know you're a GI? (laughs) Government issue. But you're a God issue. God's called you to do something. What has He called you to do? It's your responsibility to discover, find out what that is. When we think of soldiers, we think of a band of brothers. It was a movie, came our TV series, based on a book. Band of Brothers. When you're in the military, you watch out for each other. Your life is dependent on these other people, so you watch out for their life. And no one gets left behind in the military. So we need to enlist an army because church is like a flock. We're in the family of God. We're like a flock, a flock of sheep. They're independent sheep, but those are the ones that get eaten by the wolves. We need to stay connected to the flock, because in the flock we're watching out for one another because no one gets left behind. Did you hear me? No one gets left behind. Now are some people go AWOL, and they disappear, and they don't want people to chase them down. They're not ready yet. You need to let green fruit stay on the tree for a while. So I've learned when people run away and they don't want to be here, just let them go. God will catch them. It's not my job to go drag them back in. I want to look at the people who want in. Those are the people I want to go after. Those are the people I want to invest my time in. Because church is a band of brothers. We watch out for one another. No one gets left behind, and everyone belongs. No one's so dysfunctional, they don't belong in the body of Christ. I'm trying to set a value system here for all of us. Any, nobody walks in these doors with all kinds of baggage and brokenness, and they don't deserve to be embraced by us. We're in this together. And every army has a MASH unit. You know what mash means? I'm not sure if I can remember it. Uh, Milit, not military. Mobile. What's mobile? Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. They're the people right on the front lines. Now, there's better hospitals back behind, but on the front lines is where we take care of people in crisis. We take care of people freshly wounded. And we need to take care of them. We are the MASH unit. We need to remember that. That's what we do. It's like EMS care for the wounded. And Satan loves to attack the strays. Wolves don't attack the flock. They attack the stray. They'll chase the flock and see who separates. That's the one they go after. Do not separate yourself from the flock of God. Amen. Do not do that. One of the things that you can do in your spiritual growth is submit prayer requests. Maybe you don't know how to do that. Let me tell you, you go to newhope.in and one of the icons there on that front page is prayer. Click on that and there's, it takes you to two things. Number one, you can submit a prayer request And it goes to people who pray in our church. The other thing you can do is request to be put on a prayer team. And then those prayer requests go to you. Now, don't request to be on a prayer team if you're not going to pray. You're just looking for things to talk about, gossip about. No, no, no. Look for people who are hurting and invest in them. So I want to encourage you to do that. Those of you that are home and you're not here in the connection, you can be a part of the prayer team as well. Just go to mynewhope.in go to the, uh, the prayer link sign up to be one of the prayer partners and when somebody else is hurting, you get an opportunity to pray for them because God answers prayer. Here's number four. got to wrap this up. Embrace being loved. A lot of us don't love ourselves, and we really don't want people to love us. Embrace that, because in the body of Christ, we love one another. We have to love one another. We don't have a choice. We have to do this. Your past doesn't make you unlovable. Jesus Christ made you lovable. He died on the cross for you. That means you're important. That means you're significant. So embrace being loved because the church is a family. We're a family together. I recently had a family reunion, and all my siblings got together. Maybe you saw it on Facebook. Uh, We took a family picture, all my siblings. And I got to looking at that picture, and I thought, we don't look like family at all. Every one of us is radically different. We have the same mom and dad, but we don't look like family. Sometimes when we look around in the church, we don't look like family. We, the only thing we have in common is we have the same father. Father God. But we're really not the same. In the church, we are so different, but we have the same father. And in our family, just like any family, we got a weird Uncle Harold. Anybody else have one of those in your family? We got them in the church family too. But we love weird Uncle Harold. You don't kick your Uncle Harold out of the family. We don't kick Uncle Harold's out of the church family either. The church is full of grandmas and grandpas as well who have deeply sacrificed over the years building the church to what it is today. And now they're at the place where they don't want to deal with little children. They don't understand this new style of music. They sure don't understand technology, but they help to build the church. They're important. They belong in the family of God. Every family has those. Every family. So we need to be transparent, be real, Be open, be what God's called us to be, and not be phony baloney Christians. I want you to help me establish a reputation in the church of Jesus Christ as we are people who are real. We're family. And family, take communion together. And that's what we're going to do right now.